This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my amazing co-host. Hello, hello, Brie Tucker. What? You t- you stole my line. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't even mean to steal your line. It just came out and I'm like, that's probably why, because it's like your line. You were trying to come up with like something interesting right there. Yeah. Like you started to sing and then I feel like you lost your confidence in the singing. I didn't like, lose my amazing. confidence. I was more like, I always sing. I want to do something different. Uh, and that's just what came up. I know, right? And then you're hello, hello, and I just sat, I just sat here and stared for a second. I'm, I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to say? I'm like, okay, so <laughs> I was, I majored in broadcast journalism, and one thing that all like people who came in, like reporters, complained about is when the anchor asked them like a question that they had no idea like how to answer or prepare for, <laughs> and the reporters would be like, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but we could find out for you. <laughs> and then you would love to see the bloopers afterwards, I'm sure, them just going like, what the heck was that, man? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was, I, I entered at a new station too, and it was it was like that. They'll be like, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a creature of habit. I like... I like things being routine. Mm-hmm. That's that's what gets me. So yeah. yeah. Well, today we are going to talk about disrupting the routine. Oh, that makes me a little nervous. Gives me a little bit of tummy ache. <laughs> well, we talk about routines all the time, but one thing we also have to examine as parents is like what routines actually are harming us. And in this case, the routine of stepping in and nagging and reminding and bribing to get our kids to do like what they're supposed to do, that's the routine that we're going to look at. But you've got to keep in mind that those are very popular routines. They are very popular. Those are ingrained in parenting. Mm -hmm. And we learn them a lot of times from our parents. And then not only do we learn them from our parents, our best friends probably use them, our sisters, brothers, whatever, and and we see it on television and media. Mm-hmm. So how could it not be effective? 
Yeah, it's not effective. <laughs> no, no. It's actually contrary to like here at No Gun Mom, our mission is to raise self-sufficient, independent kids. And those things completely go against it. And like is one of the main reasons that parents aren't getting the independent, self-sufficient kids they want. And so we're going to dig into that a lot more. And uh, we hope you enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by the Drama-Free Homework Checklist. Now, don't let the word homework fool you because I know a lot of us are in virtual learning right now. And the things on this checklist, they are going to help with those virtual learning skills as well. So you can go get the checklist at noguiltmom.com backslash DFH dash checklist. Or you can find the link in our show notes. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay, so let's talk about this, Brie, and this whole idea of parents needing to step back to get more of what they want. Right, because it seems counterintuitive, right? Mm -hmm. But like, you and I both have plenty of examples of times where we wanted our kids to do something in a certain situation, and they didn't end up doing it. Exactly. Yeah, like the Eric and the laundry, which I've talked about on this podcast before, how like he refused to fold his laundry. Right. And I have I have one that I find very entertaining, and people are going to have a hard time getting behind it, but it's, it's an entertaining story so I have to share. So uh, potty training. Yeah. Potty training, my oldest. So when I was in early intervention, I helped many, many families with different parenting things, including the potty training, and as well as I helped with my nephews too when they were little. But uh, so when I came to potty training, I'm like, hey, I got this down. I know what works. And I'm going to do this whole potty training uh, boot camp thing. And so for two days, I did the potty training with my son. And I'm like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to drink juice. We're going to sit on the potty. We're going to do it. And, and you know why we did it? Mm-hmm. Because that's when I had two days off. Like it was like over Memorial Day or something. So we did it with what worked for me and what I had planned. And first day went great. Second day, my son refused to go. And just the point is that when I tried to get him to go on the potty the second day, he just goes, no, mama, no potty, whips out his wee-wee and just pees right there on the floor. (laughs) I was like, got it, (gasps) got it, got it, message received, no problem. So we stopped potty training. And I think like, it was maybe like two or three weeks later, he just randomly started potty training and was like, okay, I'm good to go. Now, for those parents out there in podcast land that have a toddler and are doing potty training, yes, you have to have structure and routine. You are right. But that was an example of a time where I kept nagging him and controlling him and Mm -hmm. trying to get something going. And my toddler was like, no, I'm going to do it my way. And when I backed off, it was very successful. Yeah. So I just, I I love that story because, you know, 
how often does your kid do something to that extent where they like <laughs> that was like clear clear message yeah, right where there they whip out things and just pee all over everything to prove to you that you can't control them yeah that, that's a very extreme example but i mean it recurs so many times that was kind of like with the laundry situation because right? i said like he actually told me like you can't make me and i never said i'd promise to fold my laundry <sighs> and so it was at that point like i backed off because i could not see a connection between like what he was doing was hurting the family it wasn't it was his laundry and it was his choice and so we let it go for two weeks and during those two weeks i just watched him and we noticed that you know the laundry kept piling up in his room and then the next week's laundry he had to borrow a basket from us so now he had two baskets of clean laundry in his room and one basket by the door of dirty laundry (laughs) and so it came to the weekend where we're like okay here is the impact on the family the boys taking all our laundry baskets right and (laughs) like we're now having to work around and find laundry baskets so i'm like okay that's my in and we're like okay you know what you're you're taking all the laundry baskets. It's time to do the laundry. And didn't he also like you have to share the sock story? The socks? Oh, because <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> you always look for natural consequences when you step back because those are the best like teachers. Like the scolding, the nagging, reminding, like it doesn't do any good. But oh my gosh, get that natural consequence in there and they learn a great lesson. So we were running out the door for school and he's like, Oh, I can't find socks. And I look at him and I'm like, Oh, you can't find socks. And he looks at me and it's like it clicks. And he's like, oh, and he has to go, <laughs> dig, in he had to go and dig through his laundry because he realized like I told him at the beginning, I'm like, you know, folding your laundry, it helps you find things easier. And if you don't want my help right now and help me fold the laundry, then I can't help you find things. Right. And so that finally he was like, OK, I get it. I get it. And you know what? This weekend, all the laundry's folded. He did it. Yeah. And he got he got his own time. He's mm-hmm. motivated to do it now and you didn't have to nag him. But the hardest part was duct taping that mouth shut, huh? It was letting go. <laughs> and you know what? Even during the laundry folding, because as soon as he realized that he'd have to do it, he looked at me. He's like, can you help me? And I'm like, yes, I was always willing to help you. And we're folding laundry and all of these like sayings come into my head and like things that I knew I could not say to him. Like, doesn't it feel so good to have your laundry folded? Like, I'm like, oh, I need to be quiet on that one because he will push back against that. He'll be like, no, no, it does not. He's like, no, it doesn't. I'm going <laughs> to prove you wrong. You're totally wrong. Because, I mean, that's my that's my personality, too. Well, I have to agree. No, but I also have to agree with that statement. Yeah. When I was a kid, no, I don't give two poops about what, how well my laundry was folded or where it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. As an adult, I like the order. Yeah. I like the order to the chaos. But as a kid, I enjoyed the chaos. And I need to just like make one thing straight. The laundry is not folded perfectly in his drawers. Like it is folded by him. And if you opened his drawers, you would be able to tell it's folded by a seven-year-old. Because it's not perfect. But you know what? It's progress. And the fact that now he's actually folding it and putting it in the drawers, that's like a moment to celebrate. And that's what we need to look for in our kids, the progress, not the perfection. Right. Because think about that too, as an adult, that's what we need. That's what gets us through the day. We don't get things done perfectly every time, especially when we're learning new skills. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, as an adult, I'm going to throw that to like 
learning to do something new, like here with technical with the podcast, like learning to edit the podcast. Oh my God, I wanted to pull my hair out. But every time I got something, you know, going in a positive direction, I learned one new trick. I felt amazing because it was the progress, not the perfection. And we just need to remember that for our kids because if we expect them to be perfect every time, which I don't think we do as parents, right? We don't not wait. We don't consciously. Consciously, we don't. Consciously, we don't. Our behaviors kind of communicate that we we do, do. Mm -hmm. and it's something to check. So we're going to help you figure out like what behaviors in your kids you may be using these skills of like nagging, reminding, and bribing with, and then what to do instead. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before, and when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms 
and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. So this comes from a book that like we love called Doc Tape Parenting by Vicki Heffley. Hopefully we can get her on yes. the podcast. Shout out to Vicki. Love your work. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is that you need to figure out what behavior is kind of triggering you. There is this psychological concept called negative tracking, which I just learned about. And it's when we track all the bad behaviors and we don't notice the good. For example, if like your kid comes and they're sitting at the dining room table, you're like, don't eat with your mouth open, uh, use a fork. Like you're pointing out every little negative thing. It's called negative tracking. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. And it's the same in duct tape parenting. We call those behaviors weeds. Now, when those weeds are just appearing, you know, they don't have the roots, they're little, they're small. If we ignored them, they might go away. But the thing is, we're not ignoring them. We're calling attention to them and we're focusing on them. Because we think if we point out that negative that they're going to be able to go in their lovely little children's minds. Oh, okay. So what mom's really saying is if I just do this, it'll be okay. It also reminds me of an activity I've done before on the don't speak, but we'll get into that. I've done it with positive discipline, which is another reason why I love this duct tape. If Mm -hmm. you guys know positive discipline, duct tape parenting, it is the same road, people. It is. Just I love her humor and honesty in it. So again, going back to the weeds. So the weeds. So things like whining. You know, if your child's whining, you've heard the typical parenting advice be like, use your big kid voice or, you know, I can't listen to you when you're whining. And does that ever work to solve the whining? Hardly ever. No, it never works. You have to do it over and over and over again. So that strategy, while you want it to be a weed killer to kill the weed, it's actually a fertilizer and it's causing that weed to be dug in even deeper. Well, one of the main points of that is if your child, because that's a big thing too with positive discipline as well, is is that there's a belief that the child has that they need to do certain things to gain attention or for their place in the family. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly pointing out that your child is whiny, they're going to eventually start to have that self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, I'm the whiny one. I'm the whiny one. Yeah. Right. And then also with the fact that you're just, you're also pointing out that behavior and that gets your attention. Mm -hmm. And we all know that your attention is the number one commodity that your child wants. Yes. Under, they don't care if you're happy or sad. They just care that they have got your full undivided attention. Mm-hmm. Totally true. I mean, did you have any behaviors you were labeled for as a kid? Oh, that yeah, dug yeah, in yeah. Deeper? yeah. I was the I was the loud child of the family. The loud I was, one. I was the loud and I was also told that I had very poor attention span. Oh. So, uh, well, not, well, not very poor. That's being dr- overly dramatic. But I was told that Bree's distractible and Bree's very loud. Mm. And now here I am, 41, and I still, I'll be at a football game and people move away from me because I can be so loud. <laughs> and I've just come to the conclusion that I don't 
don't have, or for the most part, that I don't have an inside voice because that's my role in the family. I am loud and I am distractible and, and that's just me. But it really isn't. No. I can be quiet. And loud. <laughs> like, I think that you could shift those things too. Because I mean, I don't see you as loud. I see you as like the life of the party. Like you bring the energy. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, and like as far as distractible, you're just interested in a lot of different things. And I right. think that's a good thing. You have an interesting zest for life. It's interesting how like as a child, I felt like it was such a burden to bear. But as an adult, like everybody I know is distractible to some extent. Like mm-hmm. hardly anybody I know is laser focused. And that's okay. But I saw it as a negative thing. And I was told it all the time. And then it was just it was part of me. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah, I had the same thing with uh, my bossiness. So uh, which I don't see. I w- well, I, w- I had a nickname. And then my parents still kind of kind of refer to me as Queenie. Uh, because I always wanted my way. And it's true. I always want my way. I, and I'm like, doesn't everyone always want their way? But right, secret, at least secretly. We secretly. all want things to go our way. <laughs> yes, we all want things to go our way. And um, I've also been like accused of steamrolling things, which I'm like, oh my gosh, when I get accused that by another adult, oh, I shut down and like I see red. Because so much of the thing like with bossy, especially against women, it's used as such a weapon. But I feel like now I, I'm finally learning through therapy, I learned this, <laughs> that like to reclaim my bossy behavior, because it's not like bossy, it's a boss and it's a leadership quality. Right. That's what I would say. Like, again, like when I said, I don't see that from the whole time I have known you, I have always seen you as someone that is, that will take charge that, but also will listen to everybody. I have never once had that experience where I felt like that defines you. And it's funny because like I just said with me, mm-hmm. I'm loud and I feel like I'm loud and, and annoying to people. And you're like, no, you're the life of the party. So I mean, like, it's funny. Those things you get as kids become right. your inner monologue as an adult. Mm-hmm. And it's only through like conscious, like trying to train yourself out of it. Do you actually start seeing yourself in a better light? And that's what's happening with kids with weeds is like that gets ingrained in them and it becomes their inner monologue. Which brings to another little point here. Is that really what you want your kids to think about themselves? Yeah, it's not. It's not the message you want them to have. Yeah, more than likely not. More than likely not, because they have so many more positive qualities than they do the negative qualities. But when we focus on those negatives, they never get to fully develop the positives. Now, just uh, in case my parents are listening, there are a lot of positive qualities you developed in me. So (laughs) please don't take this the wrong way. And I love my I just family. Had to use one negative. <laughs> I love my family, but like you, they still call me the loud one. Yeah, and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like as an adult, like we totally we we learn those things over time. It is okay. But I think like you and I tend to be a little more self aware because we're in the psychology and the education field. Yes, and not everyone gets the same education that you're hearing right now on this podcast. Like you are probably more self-aware than others because you're interested in psychology and learning parenting skills. Right, right. A lot of it does have to come with the background and what I've chosen as profession and what I studied in school. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So if we're looking at this long game, we need to really fully examine what we're doing to help our kids with their weeds, what's effective and what's not effective. So the current like thought is that, oh, to get a kid to do what I want them to do, I need to give them an incentive or I need to bribe them. Mm, Yes, the good old bribe. Yes. Or you like you put in some competition, like whoever can do this first wins. Right, right. Or the Mm -hmm. reminding, which can also be heard as aka nagging. Yes. Like I I went into uh, because because we do this work, I feel like 
<laughs> I overthink my parenting a lot, a lot. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I saw my son in his room and he was playing Roblox right before school and he was all ready and it's what he does, but his bed was unmade. And I go in there and I look at the bed and I look at him and I'm like, okay, how do I do this without like nagging or reminding him? And the thing that I came up with is I just went and I put my face really close to his and I'm like, how do I talk to you about your bed without nagging you about it? And it was a serious question. And he thought for a minute and he's like, you can just ask me, can you make your bed? I'm like, okay, can you make your bed? He's like, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it turned into like a conversation between him and I where like he had an equal part in the discussion and it wasn't just me nagging him. Right. I think that was really important about that. So talking about that, what does the nagging, what does the bribing, what does the constantly hovering over our kids do? Well, first, it doesn't fix the behavior. Correct. It makes the behavior get more ingrained. And second, like, it's something that like we have to do over and over and over and over again, which puts a lot of stress on us. It's like living Groundhog Day. It is the equivalent of living a parenting Groundhog Day. You just keep going through the same motions every stinking day. And every you're like, single day. You're like, come on, dude. I have bribed you. We have done competitions. We've done this. We've done that. Why is none of this sticking? Mm-hmm. And, and why? Because you're focusing on what's going to get you through the next moment, mm-hmm. not what's going to get you through or what's going to teach your child those life skills that you wish that they had. Exactly. Like in duct tape parenting, she calls them band-aid over bullet holes because you put a band-aid over like a gushing like wound and yeah, it may solve the like seepage of blood for a minute or two, but then it like yeah. overflows again. And that's what these behaviors are doing. It solves it for like a minute or two, but it doesn't tackle the underlying issue. Hey, all it is Joanne and Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Now, with that being said, it's not to say that there aren't times where you need a quick fix. Yes. There are are. times that that you need a quick fix just to get through the next five minutes, to get through the next hour, to get through the next day. And that is like your mental health thing and you Mm -hmm. just need to go with that. But the point that we're trying to make here though is that if we continuously keep doing that and focusing on the short-term goals, your your children are not going to learn those life skills that you desperately want them to learn. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to start causing friction, you're going to be frustrated. Um, A lot of times we tend to snap or uh, we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, why do our kids not appreciate us? Why are they not learning these things? Mm -hmm. And really the step back needs to be because, oh yeah, I never you know, gave them a chance to figure it out. Yeah. So you may be wondering, you're like, okay, well, if that's just a bandaid over the bullet hole, then how do we actually solve it? Yes. The million dollar question. Yes. <laughs> so there are two reasons that a misbehavior or something is happening and how to solve it. One is just a lack of training for kids. Like this goes for chores, especially. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to do it. Oh, yeah. So like we had an episode with Katie Hurley over uh, back in January, and she talks about how her daughter was supposed to make up her bed. Mm -hmm. That was one of her her daily, I don't want to necessarily call it a chore, but it was one of her tasks to do, right? And she couldn't figure out why her daughter couldn't make up her bed. And she was like, why is this like so hard? It's just making up your bed. So one day she goes and she asked her daughter, hey, do, uh, do you feel like you know how to make up your bed? And her daughter's like, no, not really. And no. so she's like, oh, my God, I just because, you know, again, like when it comes to that, I would think to myself, yeah, making up your bed is easy. Yeah, you, you think it's you easy. see it and it's made up. It's it's two steps like you pull up your sheets and it's done. Mm-hmm. But your child may not know that. Yeah, exactly. So lack of training is one thing. So if it's something that you're like asking on repeat, they may just not have like maybe it's even the skills to how to do it like right now my daughter took over a new chore feeding the dog Mm. i have to say she's forgetting to feed that dog a lot (laughs) a lot and so that as a parent like i'm sorry that's not something you can let him go for two weeks and not do like the laundry (laughs) yeah so i as a parent right now i'm kind of stepping back and i'm like okay what training does she need right now that is going to help her to remember to feed this dog without the nagging or minding. And it's something like I'm stuck right now in the messy middle in. I'm figuring it out. But I know through watching her and seeing like how she operates, we're going to figure out a solution to it where she gets it on her own. So you're saying the first step with this lack of training is stepping back and watching. Yeah, stepping back and watching. I am not reminding her. I am not nagging her. The most I'll do is uh, our dog, Addie, like she's, she's pretty vocal when she wants something. Oh, I love her. Let's do our impression of Addie. That's Addie. That is Addie. So she'll come and look at you and I'll be like, oh, are you hungry? And then Camden will hear me and she's like, oh, right. I need to go because she cares about it. She just it's it's not on the top of her mind. It's It's a a new new chore. chore. She needs to find a new system. It's a new chore. So lack of training for that one. Now, another another reason that you might have to be scolding and nagging and reminding is um, that some relationship building is needed. 
And that is usually in cases where your child has back talk or if they're fighting you on everything. It could be a case for relationship building. And this this is not the same as like quality time. This does not mean like, oh, we have to play more board games together or we right. have to like do more things as a family together. That's not what it means. Well, and I think it's important to note that. So, I mean, we're not saying that relationship building isn't doing that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. that when it comes to figuring out parenting answers and in general anything psychology based yeah a lot of words have more than one meaning yeah a lot of phrases have more than one meaning they do in this case relationship building is teaching stuff like problem solving skills and conflict resolution and what to do when you tell someone you're upset and how to handle emotions that's the relationship building skills we're talking about Right. Those could be hard to teach sometimes. It's the best just to have conversations with kids and involve them in decisions. And I'm sure all of us can pause and take a moment and think of one other adult that we interact with in our life under some capacity, work-related, friend-related. Maybe it's our neighbor. Maybe it's our in-laws, brother, sister, whomever, right? That doesn't have those relationship-building skills, right? I could think of former bosses. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And you're just like, oh, man, I really wish someone had paused to teach them how to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, just think of the adults who are like demanding and like, say, like, it's my way or the highway and aren't willing to compromise with people. Like, those are people who are in desperate need of relationship building skills as kids. Right. So like the big thing here is cover your mouth with duct tape. Yes. You know, strap those pretty little hands down next to your body, whatever it takes to kind of back up and not jump in. Yes, because if you feel the need to scold or remind or bribe, that's the way to step back and know that not every problem needs to be fixed with your child. It does not. Yes. Hallelujah. 100% emphatically. Woohoo! You can ignore things. You can ignore things and they will not take root. Ignore some of those weeds. Like if it is something that does not put the child in danger physically or emotionally like disable someone else. Like if it's like a really mean, hateful comment, of course, like you might have to step in there. But if it's like a little annoyance, like maybe they're sneaking a little snack before dinner. Or maybe they weren't so nice to one of their friends when they were talking to them. Or maybe they have a little bit of bossy behavior on the playground. Ignore it. Because they are going to get natural consequences for that. That is going to be so much more effective at solving it than scolding, reminding, and nagging. And you get to keep your relationship with your child intact. Yes. Which is the most important thing. Your child and you are on the same team so just keep that going, man. Yeah. So hopefully we, we've caused a little bit of uh, thinking to go into how to handle like pretty typical parenting situations. And you may have a bit of pushback. You may be like, oh my gosh, no, if I stop scolding, reminding and nagging, no, my child is going to, they're going to like take over the whole house and never do their homework again and live in a van down by the river. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite thing because that's where they always end up, right? Like in our mind, if you're an anxiety, if you have an anxiety thought process, which many of us do, especially many of us moms, because we feel like it's our job to hold the entire world together. Mm -hmm. First of all, we give you the permission that it is not your job no. to do everything in the in the family. Doing everything for everyone in your family is not the way you show them love. Exactly. It is okay for them to learn to do these things. It's not only okay, it's probably what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Yes. And something that um, actually I was hiking with a friend this weekend and she said that she has a mantra she tells herself. She says that, you know what? I've tried this way. It hasn't worked. I'm going to try a new way. Yeah. So if you've been trying the scolding, the nagging, reminding, and it doesn't work, 
Try the stepping back and not saying anything and observing more than talking. Right. Try the duct tape. Try the duct tape and get like different colors of duct tape and just like think of how you can accessorize with duct tape. Duct tape yourself to the floor. Duct tape yourself to a chair. Like metaphorically, of course, but don't step in and it's going to be hard. All right. But we believe in you. We believe in you. You have got this. So, hey, if you um, if you want to hear more or if you have an idea for a podcast episode, please, we want to hear from you. Email us at hello at noguiltmom.com. And while you're here, can you subscribe to this podcast? And you'll get a new episode every Tuesday and Thursday waiting for you. Feel free to share some love. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. We love them. We love them. So until next time, remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you later. And thanks for stopping by. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.